What's going on, everyone? What's going on, guys? This is the Rivian Report podcast, episode one. I'm Alex. I'm Dan. And uh, let's get into why we're starting this podcast, because obviously it's a new podcast. And if you're joining, you're probably curious uh, what it's going to be about other than just Rivian. Uh, Dan, why don't you take it away with why we're starting the podcast? Well, we're starting the podcast because uh, we think that Rivian is an awesome company with a lot of potential. And we want to uh, help educate people because some of the some of the information, some of the news is kind of pushed to the side and doesn't get the uh, the mainstream you know attention that it deserves um, because there, there there are some some really really big things coming out of Rivian lately and uh, and we just we just want to make sure everybody knows about it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if anyone's followed Tesla along the way, uh, there's a you know YouTube channel Tesla Daily by Rob Maurer that I, me and Diana followed for a long time, uh, and it's. If you're invested in Tesla stock, uh, it was definitely on down days and things, you know, a source where you could kind of like see what's going on with the company, what's the news, you know, keep keep the community motivated uh, about the mission, uh, news that wouldn't be, like Dan said, you know, as easily accessible, especially with the main media, a lot of times putting out a lot of uh, FUD. So, you know, we don't really think there's that much for Rivian that exists uh, on YouTube that would be relatable to like Tesla daily is for Tesla or all the content that exists around Tesla since Rivian's a much, uh, you know, smaller company than Tesla is and the community is still, you know, at early stages growing. So we want to basically make this podcast to talk about Rivian, not just the company and its news, but also the stock. Uh, and yeah, anything I'm missing there? Well, I think important to say we're both Rivian investors. Definitely. Um, obviously both bullish on Rivian. And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of the, the pretense for, <clears throat> for all of this. Yeah. So we both, we both own Rivian stock, uh, you know, obviously, so we, we are motivated financially with the company's success, but we obviously only own it because we believe in it. So it's not a, you know, if we didn't believe in it, we wouldn't own the stock. So we own the stock. Um, we've owned it for a long time now. Uh, we, we do think there's obviously huge differences between Rivian and everyone else in the EV world, uh, other than Tesla, you know, which we'll get into a little bit more in the podcast in a little bit on why we like Rivian as a company and why we're following it in detail. Uh, and maybe actually let's just start there. I mean, basically, uh, Tesla is a very unique company that really made EVs mainstream and we think they really perfected the blueprint for what a car company should be today. And we think that of all the EV startups that have came out, the only one that's really doing it right is Rivian. Uh, so anyway, I to get back, get back to your point, Tesla did a lot of things differently than uh, the legacy OEM car manufacturers. And, uh, we like very much that Rivian is following in those footsteps. It's doing the same similar um, vertical integration. And that I think is a major reason why Tesla was able to uh, persevere and get to the scale production that they're at today. Yeah, exactly. So Tesla basically really vertically integrated everything. And before Tesla, car companies actually 
were really like all they actually did was put pieces together. Like they really had very little vertical integration. They would buy from tons and tons of suppliers, different parts. Uh, they would basically mash up metal, put all these parts that they bought from tons of other suppliers together, stamp their logo, and basically sell it to a wide range of dealerships. You know, they have their dealership network. And that was pretty much their business. I mean, they didn't have a relationship with the customer. They didn't make the software. They uh, didn't make a ton of the things that go into the car, whether it's chips, whether it's headlights, seats, this, that, headlights right. whatever. I mean, they, they really just use tons of suppliers. Exactly. Um, and Tesla basically said, you know, we don't need any, we like middlemen all around. We can just maximize uh, our profit margins. We can change the entire industry, what you expect margins for a car business to be by vertically integrating, doing everything in-house from A to Z. Uh, and then, you know, as much as possible, continuously pushing that envelope further, and then also getting rid of the dealership model, sell direct to customers. That way they have a relationship with the customer. Uh, and they, by doing that, obviously get to keep that margin that every dealer would be making. So the business is a totally different business, uh, other than just being electric vehicles versus uh, ICE vehicles. And Rivian followed basically their blueprint with doing the same thing. And the difference really with like Lucid and these other EV makers uh, is that the other ones have not been able to scale the way that Rivian is showing it can now. Uh, they've lowered production numbers. They've lowered targets. Rivian has increased their, their production numbers uh, and increased their guidances for uh, you know future numbers and are delivering quarter by quarter more than they said they would, whereas the others aren't. Uh, and at the same time, they're making the software, they're making the hardware, they're they're vertically integrating. They're not just relying on companies like Apple CarPlay, uh, you know, and Android Auto, and you know, they're they're taking the hard path, but ultimately the correct path, which is why we like them, and obviously at a much smaller market cap than Tesla, and they don't have to be Tesla. Obviously, we we know the market uh, for cars is like 90 million cars a year. Tesla's like strongest ambitions for 2030 are like 20 million cars a year, which we know that in the entire industry, 12 million cars a year or so, I think is the most Toyota's like ever done as the biggest automaker. So if Tesla gets to 20 million, it'd be incredible. And that's great for them, but they'll still be 70 million cars a year that have to be sold. So the, the industry is obviously not a one person wins. Uh, there's, there's room for a lot of winners. And uh, if you're going to be second place, it's going to be a huge, huge market for second place. And we think that you need to really succeed in this industry. You need certain things that we really only see Tesla and Rivian doing. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And, and that even goes beyond the car. I mean, even with the ecosystem of chargers, like when you're getting an EV, you need a charger. We know Tesla has the best network supercharger, which we're going to discuss uh, North American charging standard uh, versus CCS and things a little later and how everyone's going over in America and to uh, Tesla's NACS uh, port. But Rivian's building the Rivian Adventure Network. Uh, they know that they want to also control their own destiny when it comes to charging, provide a great experience when you're using their charging network uh, compared to other third-party networks. Uh, and we think that's that's a really good move and a huge business in the future. So there's that as well. Um, yeah, so you know, we'll get into NACS. Is there anything you want to you want to say, Dan, before we we jump into that actually? No, uh, I, I actually, I think it's probably a good time to say, like, hey, hope we don't lose anybody, but probably important to note that neither Alex or I have 
a Rivian vehicle, okay? This and is true. I think the main reason why, having said that, have, have driven one, have played with them. They are awesome. Alex even drove the uh, EDV, which I don't know if you're going to be able to somehow put a little clip of you, uh, you in the in the uh, delivery van. That was pretty cool. I did drive the Amazon van uh, from Rivian, EDV. Well, watch you put that as the the thumbnail. Like I drove the Amazon, and no, no, that's, no. that's going to get this podcast going. Uh, so, but anyway, we don't own the uh, the cars, and the major reason why is because. They don't have a, um, you know, they, they haven't had access up until now to the Tesla supercharger network, which is as EV owners, we both have Teslas. We know that it's necessary for sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah. If you want to do road trips and stuff, having access to a good uh, charging network is vital. And uh, unfortunately, everyone else outside of the Tesla supercharger system has been horrible. Rivian's network has been great from everything I've seen, talking to people, watching videos. The only issue is obviously it's still limited. It's not everywhere uh, and it's obviously growing, but the I love Rivian's vehicles. I've driven them uh, and I've thought about getting an R1S, but it is, you know, until the adapter comes out, which will come in 2024, uh, and then he'll have access to the supercharger network. It's just makes more sense for a lot of people to have a Tesla just to have access to that supercharger network that, you know, and I think that was a huge deal that they Tesla opened it up uh, and that Rivian said, yes, let's put the, the NACS port on our cars in 2025, 2026 uh, going forward. And, you know, it will be coming, it'll be standard on the R2, but it'll also eventually be in, implemented into the production lines for R1. Uh, and everyone who buys an R1 right now will still be able to get an adapter and use the Tesla supercharger network. And eventually the Rivian Adventure network will also have uh, NACS instead of CCS uh, actual cables as well, since the cars will be using those ports. So everything's moving to NACS. And we actually have some recent news, which is probably you know a good time to talk about with NACS, which is that Volkswagen, the one huge, huge car company, that had not signed up actually today, uh, December 19th, that's when we're recording this, if it doesn't come out today, the podcast announced that their brands will now go to NACS. They signed a deal with Tesla uh, so that by 2025, they'll be able to use the Tesla supercharger network uh, that this is for all their brands, so Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, et cetera. Um, that's brand new news. Volkswagen was the one company obviously holding back for a while and we know that Ford and GM being the first two companies to sign up with Tesla on the network uh, was just announced a couple of days ago that it's February 2024 that they'll be able to start using superchargers. So we're not talking, you know, deep into 2024. We're talking two months in, uh, you know, two and a half months from right now, Ford and GM users will be able to, EV users, uh, I assume, have an adapter uh, from Tesla and be able to charge at superchargers across the country, which is huge. And we're definitely uh, excited for Rivian, which signed up not too long after that to get access. So I think uh, Tesla's spokesperson said that they don't want to put everyone at the same time. They don't want to congest the networks. So they're going to do it phase in automakers, I think based on when people signed up. That's why it started with Ford and GM. And that's why Volkswagen, you know, although it's a massive company, is not going to be able to use the network till 2025 because they were last to sign up. Yeah. And honestly, can't stress how huge the, this change will be. Um, it's, I mean, I know Rivian is for 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 now. Uh, it's still supply constrained. They're they're uh, 
they have more reservations than they have cars, right? Yep. And and uh, and that's going to continue for a while. But if as soon as they are, as soon as those cars are supercharger compatible, I bet you that waiting list gets extra long. Oh yeah. And uh, and and that's just an awesome place for Rivian to be. Just great great situation to be in. Yeah, I um, mean, you know, it's definitely a limited. Uh, a limited market as a whole for people who can afford obviously like the $80,000 cars. Uh, they're, you know, producing, they have, I think, um, capacity in their normal Illinois factory for 150,000 cars a year. We're going to see, you know, they went from 50,000 to 52,000 to raising to 54,000 guidance for this year. Uh, we're in their last quarter. So we'll see them do, you know, I think a little more than 54,000. I think that RJ has, if you listen to him enough, uh, you'll know that he, prefers to under promise over deliver, uh, which I like. It's definitely a little different than Elon's style. And Elon, you know, sure. Elon, Elon delivers, but he's always a little late. Um, yeah. So he's got his Elon time. And uh, so I think they'll do a little more than 54,000. I think, you know, we'll, we'll see that ramp up to 150,000 happen. We know that there's a, also a large chunk of uh, unused production capacity for the EDV before Amazon's exclusivity ended, because they can only produce uh, what Amazon was willing to take since they had that uh, exclusivity, which is now gone. We know they got the AT&T deal. So AT&T is taking Rivian uh, EDVs as a pilot program and it'll expand beyond that. And I'm sure we're gonna see a ton of more pilot programs come out, which is super exciting for Rivian uh, and their commercial van and also Fleet OS, which you know, we isn't on the docket to talk about in episode one, but uh, just, you know, a, a small, small thing there. The, the Fleet OS is definitely something we should talk about because there's huge opportunities in that. And we'll get into that in a future episode. Um, and basically, they're going to they're gonna raise, you know, who knows next year if they, they do 70, 80,000, you know, cars, uh, but they'll raise it up to 150,000. And then, you know, I'm sure they'll, you know, try to expand in normal in some way or form, but we obviously have Georgia factory coming yeah, actually today, uh, the contractor who will build the factory in Georgia uh, was chosen and it's Clayco Inc. So Clayco is going to oversee the construction of Rivian's 1800 acres, by the way, it's 1800 acres uh, and their vehicle production will actually begin in 2026. And that will be the R2, which is extremely exciting because that's going to be a more affordable 40 to $60,000 uh, platform car that you know, I think it's going to open the market for Rivian the same way Model 3, Model Y open the market for Tesla. So a huge thing uh, from that news article with uh, Clayco being chosen to, to do that contract for Rivian, uh, they mentioned also it'll be like 7,500 employees at that factory. So that's going to be really awesome uh, for the Georgia market area, area you know, just giving jobs. Uh, and yeah, a lot of really exciting things uh, surrounding the Georgia factory that I think we're going to start seeing coming into 2024 as they break ground and they, they start building that. Agreed. I think that's super exciting. The fact that they're uh, moving on it is, uh, that's exactly what you want to see. So hopefully, hopefully they finish, uh, finish that quicker. So in that article, it says, uh, there's, the, the factory should be producing vehicles by 20, what is it, what did it say? Uh, 2026, 2026, oh, 2026. when the start of production for the vehicles will be. So the factory will be finished and they'll be producing cars in 2026. Uh, and, you know, who knows if their timeline, you know, if they're being conservative or not, but uh, 
you know, maybe we see it towards the second half of 2025. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, and I love that it's an 1800 acre uh, plot because uh, I don't know if you know what happened with Tesla is that they were, uh, w when they were ramping Model 3, they were trying to desperately to get to uh, the 5,000 cars per week, but they they were kind of all tapped out. They kind of squeezed all the efficiency they could out of the space that they had. And so in order to hit that target, they ended up uh, building tents outside of the factory. Yep. To have to have a line going out there obviously if you have 1800 acres you don't need to to do that tesla did that because they wouldn't have been able to get uh, approved for more permanent structures uh so they yeah. used like a loophole to, to, and that's in the that. fremont california factory yeah that's the fremont factory and uh, um... so 1800 acres if if they find that hey we need more uh, is there any figure for how many yes that, that so they're basically going to do it in phases uh, I know of at least three phases that will happen. First phase, uh, we'll start off with a capacity of 200,000 vehicles. Phase two brings that up to 400,000 vehicles. And uh, I might have to double check, but I believe phase three brings it up to 600,000 vehicles. Um, uh, I know for sure phase one is 200,000 and then phase two, 400,000. Uh, and man, how different will these conversations be once Rivian is delivering, you know, half a million, a million plus cars? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a different story. I mean, the community is already really amazing and growing. And I, I mean, when there's half a million additional Rivian drivers on the road every year and growing that number yearly, uh, the community is obviously going to just expand and uh, it'll be it'll be good to look back and see, you know, what's happened uh, with Rivian along the way and how that how everything has unfolded. Uh, and I think a lot of people are are really not giving Rivian the benefit of the doubt that uh, I think they they do deserve for the team they've built uh, and what they were able to create, because uh, it's not easy. I mean, every other EV startup that's tried and car companies that have tried, you know, they all have failed. Uh, all and one thing there. that money can't do is create a community and uh, a brand that resonates with people that has to just happen on its own organically. So, you know, you could take Lucid who's selling a lot less vehicles than Rivian is uh, and they have to pay for advertisements and they're not selling the number that they'd like to be selling. And we're talking extremely low volume. They can't find the sales for them. And it's because their brand hasn't resonated with people and the community hasn't been built the way that Rivian's word of mouth community works. I mean, it's a huge reason Tesla is able, was able to go until recently without advertising was simply that every time Tesla sold a vehicle, uh, the buyer talked to his friends and family and told everyone how much he loved it and was a free advertisement to basically get additional sales. So the more they sold, the more they, the more demand they would get, you know, and, and it would create this domino effect uh, building out that community. And Rivian is achieving that, I think, in early stages right now that no one else has been able to do. So it's a, an extremely bullish thing for the company that you really can't buy yeah definitely if you if you create a product that provides value in excess of what the uh cost is then it's going to sell itself people are going to be lining up just like they are for rivian uh vehicles today uh which like we said have these this you know certain disadvantages like not being on the supercharger network yet uh, they're still lining up. They're still, uh, you know, 
can't wait to, you know, people are waiting a year and a half, two years, whatever plus to get their vehicles. And, uh, and they want to do that because they know it's an awesome product. Um, I, if you're watching this podcast, I assume that you've seen some Rivian videos on, uh, on YouTube or around social media. Most of the car reviewers, Doug DeMuro, um, you, you got MKBHD, they all, they're all blown away by these by Rivian's uh, yeah. trucks. I mean, they're insane. They, they are, uh, they, they put them in a league of their own. They're like, you know, all of the, all of the things that Tesla, because Tesla, obviously they're great, but it's, there's a certain, there's a certain something to the super simplistic uh, kind of cost. Uh, what do we call it? Cost saving strategies that they have going where it's, they, they, they are not, it's, it's almost like Tesla's are not um, trying to op- optimize the user experience. They're just trying to, you know, give the best value vehicle, I guess. Whereas yeah. Rivian is doing everything to give an amazing user experience. And that's what, that's what we see. And that's why, that's why the community uh, exists because like you said, it's word of mouth. It's like, you know, you get in your neighbor's Rivian and it's, it's just light years ahead of your, uh, your F-150 that you've been driving for the last 12 years. You're going to probably want a Rivian. It's so much better. Yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. And I really think uh, that that difference is, uh, it's massive when you're driving a Tesla or a Rivian for a long time, and then you get into, like you said, an, an ICE vehicle, a car from the past, and you just, I mean, everything from the way it drives, one pedal driving, being able to just not even touch the brake, come to a full stop with that regenerative uh, uh, braking, and then to the software, obviously, just, I mean, even simple things where like certain cars, you know, you, you, the, the GPS is so bad, you'll have to like put an address. You can't even write the name of a place, like what you're typically used to on an iPhone. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, over the air updates is, I mean, I think like huge. Sim- huge, huge, I mean, such a simple thing for tech today. I mean, you can buy cheap tablets that get updates, That's right. Something. You know, yet you can buy a hundred thousand dollar, $200,000, like Mercedes that when it needs an update, you have to take it to the shop dealer. you know and yeah. the dealer needs to update it that it can't get an over-the-air update which is just absolutely ridiculous That's uh cool. so you know there's different people obviously being the teams that are working on building the products the software uh at rivian at tesla it's just a, an entirely different you know it's a different talent pool than what's currently in legacy auto i agree so we have a lot to talk about. Uh, this is obviously the first podcast we're doing. There's so much to go into, uh, but we want to save that for future episodes. We're going to try to drop an episode every day or two, uh, just till we catch up for a few of the topics we want to discuss with you guys and kind of get off our chest. And then we'll kind of move into, I think, more of like a weekly, a weekly podcast, probably uh, just to go over roundup news for the whole week. And I Plus think where we can, and stuff like that. yeah, I think the, the one thing we can, uh, you know, finalize this uh, podcast with is just talking about how insane uh, the stock has went the last week, because yeah, you know, Rivian's basically, uh, you know, I'll pull it up right now, but for a long time, the stock, uh, you know, not too long, but for a while, it was kind of between, let's say 13 bucks and 18 bucks, 17 bucks, uh, going between 13 to 15 to 16, 13, 14, 17, whatever. Uh, but a few months back, maybe it was 
was 27 bucks a share back in August. Uh, and then when it dropped down under 20, it's been from like October till a week ago or so under $20 a share, which we've thought are, you know, has just been like a, a blessing to be able to buy up shares. Uh, you know, no financial advice here, but, you know, this is just our own opinions and what we're doing, but being able to buy the stock, uh, you know, as low as like $13 a share and build out a position uh, when you're in it for the long run was really, you know, I think awesome. And then when the Fed obviously lowered, you know, said they're going to lower interest rates next year, uh, the whole market, especially, you know, high growth type of companies boomed. Uh, and then you take that with uh, the short interest that's in Rivian, which we'll get into probably in episode two. Uh, so we'll talk about short interest uh, in the next episode because that's a huge, there's really huge potential for, uh, there's huge potential squeeze. for a short squeeze. Um, you take that into account a little bit and, you know, the stock every day has went up uh, for the last, I don't know, maybe it's been going up, I think every day since. At least 10 days. It's been yeah. up in a row. Something like that, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, and some some really big days in there. It's up fifty five percent since November twenty first, and it's December nineteenth right now. So in the past month, it's up fifty five percent. The stock's currently twenty four dollars and thirty five cents, which is up two point three percent today. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just super exciting uh, seeing that happen, seeing the stock coming up in such a big way. And uh, I think that's a, a good way to end this episode. And thanks for coming along for the ride, guys. Yeah. And we hope and, you guys uh, subscribe to the channel, like this video if you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, we're gonna work on our our video and our audio to, you know, after this, we're gonna see how it comes out in editing and we will work to improve it as we go on. So sorry if there's any shortfalls for this episode. We hope you guys stick with us. We hope you comment if you're uh, a Rivian investor or own a Rivian. Let us know in the comments, like this video, subscribe, and be ready for episode two. The only one that's really doing it right is Rivian. Yeah, I hear you, but it's like muffled. Still? A little bit. Go ahead. How about now? <laughs> it's exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, we can hear you. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you? I can, yeah. You can. Okay. Uh, so we'll we'll cut it to, I guess, to, uh, you can't hear me? No, I can. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> We're good. We're good. All right. So somehow put this in the bloopers at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right.